0: Welcome to Foss Backstage. It is I, your fearless leader, who has lost his little microphone thing. And I'm putting it back on. Loud noise. Sorry about that. So it's Richard. I'm here at Berlin and Foss Backstage with Omatala Yunis Omatayo. Omatala, it's great to have you on. Thank you so much for coming. Thank Um, you for having me. Yeah, I know. So you are a member of OSCA. And you gave a talk yesterday. What was your talk about?
1: Yesterday, I talked about contributors, engagements, and monetization opportunities.
0: Excellent. How do you know about that? What do you do for your day job? What do I do? What do you do for your day job?
1: Okay. I work full-time with Outreachy, an open source program, yep. like a fellowship. So I serve as one of the organizers, Amazing. and I manage the community there.
2: That's awesome. Uh,
1: yeah. I also work with Chimoney, Money is a payment infrastructure and uh, help with the community and DevRail uh, relations stuff.
0: Excellent. Outreachy is a massive project. They do a lot. Thank How you. many people do they have on staff?
1: So, currently, because Outreachy is like a project under Software Freedom Conservancy, yep. we have the organizers, three organizers, and we have executive directors, and we have like other person staff from the Software Freedom. Services
0: Team. So Software Freedom, Freedom Conservancy, Conservancy, the SFC run by Karen Sandler. That's amazing. How many applications did you get this last year?
1: Oh, we got over <laughs>
0: 6,000.
1: 6, over 6,000 applications. I'm so sorry
0: for you. So, how many people do you have to go through all those?
1: We have application reviewers, actually. Okay, um, we have cool. persons that review this application alongside with the organisers.
0: Cool. So do you As someone who helps out with Outreachy, who is on staff, do you specialize in a certain area of Outreachy or are you helping everyone in Outreachy? How does that work?
1: Okay, so personally, as a community manager, I create, like, support the Outreachy applicants, the Outreachy interns, manage communications between this group of persons and the organizers, and as well manage the social media platforms for Outreachy. You can see there's a lot of conversation advocacy on social media about what Astrology is. And if you look back a few months now, since I joined the team, you will see a massive advocacy <laughs> on social media. Yeah. So that's what I do. Basically supporting the applicants, telling them more about the program, guiding them through every of the steps. And yeah when they get in as an intern, also supporting them, making sure everything goes well and ensuring they have a safe space and they enjoy, make the best use of the internship period.
0: How many interns are there?
1: The last cohorts, we have over 60. 60 applicants, um, interns, yeah.
0: Interns, so you know them all by name at some point, maybe. Let's pretend, sure.
1: Okay, okay, okay. So (laughs) what, what I did for the last cohort is trying to I try to like create a one-on-one relationship with them yeah. to better understand how they're enjoying the program, um, any issues they're facing, maybe they're struggling with anything, how Astrichi can better support them, you know, get to understand the open source, how they're coping with the open source space, yeah. right? And with this, it's helped me to have uh, a better relationship with each of these interns, so I must say office hours with the outreach interns. Cool. It's a perfect way so far to get to understand them.
0: So assuming that you meet with one of them, each one once a month, that's two a day, which is exhausting. So I'm just curious, how do you manage that and social media? Because I struggle with this too. I want to know what what's the insider tips?
1: Okay. 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 So I have my office every week, okay. every Friday. Yeah. And I have also intern's book. I have like 30 minutes conversation with them. Yeah. So I open up my like work time yeah. between nine to six p.m. my time. And I have this 30 minutes lost. So in a week, I talked to over more than five. Let me put it that way. Okay. More than five. And managing it with social media, I think... Um, the first thing I do is I prioritize my time. Yeah. yeah. Social media as a way it works. There are times where I always have my content ready. So if I have like, actually she has a maybe chats that wants to go on, I have this content ready, scheduled the content. All I have to do is go back there to engage, yeah. which I can do even if I'm communicating with you right now. I can say, oh, I can quickly drop that. So it's been very easy managing you know, my day-to-day tasks, email communication, social media communication. Yeah. And above all, I work with the best teammates. <laughs> Anna and Sage, shout out to both of you. They are really like very supportive, collaborative. They're ready to work with me to get any tasks done. Yep. And yeah, they're just the best teammates. So it makes everything super easy.
0: <laughs> Which teammates do you, are you talking about?
1: The AstroTree team. Yep. That's Sage and Anna.
0: Okay, excellent. And are they also helping you with social media? Yes. Okay, cool. So you have multiple people on it all the time. Excellent. Have you found that the Twitter meltdown and the API issues where they've been closing that off has made it harder to schedule things?
1: So, Twitter closing down, I, I don't really schedule my like my contents on Twitter. Okay. And right now I try to make use of other platforms as well, not just Twitter for Asuchi. Yeah. Uh, uh, Asuchi is on Mastodon. We're on YouTube, having coffee chats with interns, yep. past interns, mentors. And we're also on LinkedIn. So yep. it's not just focus on Twitter. Cool. Yeah.
0: Software Freedom Conservancy is notorious for only allowing open source tools. How do you deal with that?
1: Okay. So my team, make, because of what we believe in, what we support and yep. what we advocate for, yeah, we mostly use open source software. Okay. Yes. And I must say it's really good Yeah. because... We are creating a safe space for everyone. Excellent. We want everyone to be inclusive. We want everyone to use free softwares, right? So we use tools, softwares that you don't need to pay for. Yeah. And you feel comfortable using yep. because you don't have to worry about your data being exposed. Yep. So, and that is why I mentioned that we're not just on Twitter. So if you don't feel comfortable using Twitter, you can connect with us on YouTube, on Mastodon, yep. or via newsletter.
0: So as a... St- social media manager, as a community manager, as an intern manager, these are all management roles. Uh And these are all roles where you're working with people who are working with code, but you're not working with code on a daily basis. Unless you figure out where to find the time for that. So how do you do that?
1: Okay. Okay. So this might not apply to everyone, but for me personally, I studied computer science. Cool. Awesome. I have a background in tech, Yeah, but trust me, we have my teammates, Anna, doesn't have like a background in tech, I think. Uh, They studied engineering.
0: Okay.
1: Okay, And they're doing well. So that doesn't mean because I have a background in tech, I I can do all these things, but because I have a background in tech and you know, this tech world, you keep learning, right? I remember since I joined the associate team, I might not get to work with coding, programming every day, but because of my experience, because of my knowledge, my skills of being ready to take up opportunities, learn more, do more research, I've had to work with my team. So using some, you know, getting some tasks done technically. And yeah, I've been doing doing very well with that. And as a community manager, developer, relation manager, I think it's easier for me to communicate with developers, communicate yeah. with people doing programming and other stuff because of, because I have the experience, I understand the terminologies. And sometimes if I don't understand, that is why documentation is there. That's yeah. why research to know more is there. Yeah. I I do, it's like a primary task on my own to get to understand these things better so that I can communicate And trust me, I I, I don't, like, I I make it a point of duty to ask for help. If I need my teammates to explain something, I ask questions a lot. Cool. I can reach out to my teammates. Oh, this thing, what are they trying to say? Can you help me understand better? I understand it so I can communicate it better with my audience.
0: Earlier, you mentioned your time. Where do you live? Nigeria. Nigeria. Abuja, Nigeria. That's Africa. Okay, cool. (laughs) Excellent. OSCA, Open Source Community Africa, is the largest group of open source people in Africa, I yeah. believe, but definitely in Nigeria, where it's mainly based. They have a conference for a year. Samson just announced the next one, I believe, although we don't know exactly July. when or where. Well, we know when, not where, right?
1: Um, July. July. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So that'll be fun. Um, yes. I'm always amazed how much energy comes out of OSCA, how many people show up for it, traveling from all over just to go to this super awesome conference and they always seem super excited. I don't know what it is about Nigerian English, but it just seems to be like, let's go. It's really, really cool. I had a conversation earlier with, I can't remember the exact vowels. I'm having a really bad day with names today. I'm jet
1: lagged. (laughs) I
0: had a really good experience with someone from VMware. I think her name was Masai Shida, who was talking about how without stereotyping, she was saying there's a tendency for Japanese people to be more polite and not want to interrupt and not want to ask and not want to say, excuse me, I don't understand because it interrupts the flow of conversation. It Mm -hmm. makes it a bit harder Mm -hmm. for some people with an Asian background in particular to ask questions a lot. Mm -hmm. I've never experienced that from Nigeria. And so the question I have is, have you noticed a tendency among Nigerian developers to be like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? Can you explain this to me? I'm just curious if there's a if there's a cultural thing that makes it so great to get into open source because you're from Africa.
1: Okay, one thing that I really love to highlight is Nigerians were known to be strong, determined cool. to get to get things done. Yeah. <laughs> we are extra strong, and you know that quench for wanting to know more. Yeah, wanting to be, wanting to be, we are not really provided with these opportunities or we don't have the right resources. Yeah. But as as an individual, as Nigerians, we have these special skills, these, you know, special skills. Let me use the word.
0: Vim fire. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. To accomplish a lot. Yeah. To, you know, put out outputs that really... So, but because we don't have the right resources in our... Right? Yeah. When we see opportunity to... Like unleash that potential that we have. We make good use of it without looking back. So it's like there's a goal. Yeah, You don't have the right movement to get there. I
0: just want to point out that our listeners can't see your wonderful hand motions, but thank you for them. So (laughs) yes, the right movement to get there. It's the right
1: movement to get there. And you see or learn about an opportunity to actually be part of something, to learn something to enhance yourself we go in for it. I mean, fully in for it. Amazing. So talking about Open Source Africa, Open Source Africa has been doing really so well. Just like you mentioned, it's actually the biggest community Open Source in Africa. Yep. And they've done well with advocacy. Yeah. Bringing in a lot of, you know, new contributors to Open Source. I, I think right now people are already aware there's good advocacy there. People are aware that, oh, Regardless of my background, there is a space I can contribute. Yep. I can be part of a solution. Yep. Part of the discussion that we had at first Mass Stage from yesterday is now people don't want to, are goals, th- there are some goals why some persons actually contribute to open source. Hmm? The goal might be because you want to make, okay, big. Be- Okay, so there's, there are different goals. Yeah. Maybe you want to empower yourself, you yeah. want to develop your career, you want to make more money. So you see Nigerians going fully for it. And I'll just use that opportunity to say, contributors, now back to my talk, yep. contributors should be appreciated. Yep. Companies should go in for, you know, these contributors are making this solution, building this solution, provide opportunities for them, maybe resources, supporting their projects, you know, financing, donating, communities like Oscar Fest, Oscar, yep. <laughs> over <Almost laughs> South Africa, right. uh, yeah, to support them, donate to them, and yeah, so that you can fully enjoy the potentials that we have in we have in Africa.
0: I love that. Thank you so much. I also like the characterization of Nigerians as strong, go-getter people. That makes me that feel, just feels great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to know outreachy. Mm-hmm. Sixty participants, six thousand applicants. How else can Western communities show up to enable more members of OSCA, more open source contributions, more diverse people, contributors, to show up? How can we do that? Do any ideas, any thoughts? And I asked Samson this question last month I state of open too, so I, I I'm sorry if i'm if a repeating wheel here it's,
1: it's okay, it's okay. So I would just say countries now provide more opportunities for cool. these persons it might be supporting these communities that they belong to yeah. internship fellowships like Astro Chi. Yep. Astro has the potential of taking more interns yep. if we have the right supports you can come in as mentors to you know guide someone empower someone who is just coming in and compensate compensates contributors like appreciate their efforts Cool, and be more inclusive yeah. for programs Conferences like these and many other opportunities, you know, give them this country, invite them, you know, have a one-on-one conversation with them, check their contributions, highlight those people who are really contributing. Yeah. The, people want to know that they are providing, people are providing value. They want to be recognized for that.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I think these are just some of the ways you can support Awesome.
0: That sounds great. Where can we support you online? Where can we find your words? and what you do.
1: I'm very active on LinkedIn and Twitter. Cool. Very, very active yep. at Elegance underscore yep. on, on Twitter and on LinkedIn Omotola Unis Omotayo and also as Richie is on all those platforms <laughs> I mentioned earlier.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah. And of course, people can sign up to be mentors about Richie, which you did say. If you want to hear more about that, we just had Samira Goal on who helps with mentors and talked a bit about how that's really useful as well. Thank you so much for coming on. It was really great to have you
1: Welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) So, hello everyone. Welcome back to Foss Backstage with Richard Littauer. I'm trying to adjust my own levels today, so we'll see how this goes, but that should work. I'm here today joined by Jan Eineli. Jan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing excellent. All right, so we're at Foss Backstage in Berlin and Jan Eineli is here and he is from Publiccode.net. We've talked with him before on this podcast. So if you want to access that, oh, listeners, you can go to podcast. That's the saying, oss.org. I have not met Jan in the flesh. So there he is. He's a real person. It's very exciting. And he's given me this set of beautiful cards, which is pretty cool. There's some purple ones with nice designs, and they're kind of like playing cards.
2: And tell me a bit about this card game. What's going on? Yes. So this is a car- card game that we simply call just the governance game. The governance game. Uh, meant to get you started talking about governance in your code base. Huh. And it sort of sprung out a set of workshops where we had like post-its and large tables of papers and people were drawing stuff. Yep. And it was really like interactive, but a little bit too loose. Hmm. So we thought like, hey, maybe maybe this could be something more reusable that we can have more use more often. Yeah which sort of like turned us to the idea, will this become a game? And then we tried it with more like with set cards and a, and a plan. And it worked really well to get people really hyped up about talking something boring as a governance. <laughs> That's amazing. Because that is usually the thing people don't really want to talk to about in, in an open source code base. No, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yes. It sounds like
0: government. No one wants to talk about yes. those things. This is really cool. So there's like starting states and there's bugs and scenario. You have developed an open source public Wi-Fi management system and other municipalities have replicated it. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And there's very cars like commissioning public organizations. It's amazing. So do you, well, tell me again, what does public code do?
2: Yeah, So so the Foundation for Public Code, we yep. help public organizations to collaborate when they develop software to serve something of their public purposes. Mm. And all the scenarios in here are, of course, like based on that idea that there's something like a public organization's doing, but nothing's stopping you. We even have a, in the upcoming release, a card, make your own scenario mm. where you actually describe your situation so you can do it. To- because that's how we most often use it when we're not just having a, a random workshop with random people. yeah. Then we th- go into very customized talk to people like, oh, well, well, who are your stakeholders? Who are involved? And what are your actual problems? Let's talk about them. <laughs> in here, we have a few calamities that are based on things that we've seen in the world, yeah. or at least something that could happen. So they're not like totally yeah. out there. But sometimes we, in in specific, we make some extra calamity cards as well. One one of my favorite that we don't have in the game right now is a, a community that is very reliant on one single core contributor. What happens if he wins the lottery and takes off? Like that's the really big wow calamity goes sailing. Well, right. Well, where's our documentation? Do, do we need to make something before this? It really gets the conversation started.
0: Hmm. That has happened before. So
2: that, I guess that it happened. <laughs> I know of at
0: least three people yeah, just yeah. gone sailing into the sunset. Yes. So amazing. Okay. That's really cool. Now tell me about the kind of people that you provide workshops for. Are these governments, municipalities, are they, how often do you do them and how many people are working at the Institute for Foundation for Public
2: Code? Uh, so we're right now, I think we're about six people, but okay. we're also starting a branch in the U.S. Oh man. Because it, it, Pro, working in one organization across the EU and the uh, US is a little bit troublesome for some le- legal reasons. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. it's easier to have a local yep. thing sitting up there and w- we don't have any employees there yet, only contractors, but we we'll, think that will take off. The municipalities that we, are, it's mostly municipalities. Okay. Really, we want to work with any public organizations, but it's easier for municipalities to see, oh, they're just like us. We can collaborate with them. Hmm. Whereas if you're the environmental protection agency, you're only probably the single one in your country. Yeah. And it's harder to All right, I need to go abroad to collaborate. Yeah. But really that should be possible. And also for municipalities, they are also mostly the same in other countries as well. They're serving the same purposes, very basic ones for the residents. Hmm. So whatever they, digital things, tools they have, probably applicable elsewhere as well.
0: Excellent. Are you talking about this work in your talk? Do you have a talk here at Stage?
2: I don't have a talk here. Oh, you're uh, just here to have fun. Yes, just here to me have fun. Me too. Yes. Yeah. But, and it it's been excellent well. so far.
0: Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Tell me about the municipalities you're working with right now. Like what were some recent ones
2: that you can talk about? Yes, so we're working with one of our feature things is with Amsterdam and it's also sort of like where we started in Amsterdam. Yep. yep. They have a code base for making it easy for residents and tourists to report issues in the city cool. as they come across them. It might be a pothole or a broken street lamp or exactly. this trash yeah. can is yeah. over full. And how they to report that. And not only the, like the front end, but also in a large municipality as Amsterdam. Yeah. How do you route it to the right people to take care of it? And how do you keep track of the issue until it's, it has been solved and reported back to the... Yeah. To the person who saw it so they can see oh right yes now now it's fixed I, I'm, I'm i'm happy with this or mm. they can perhaps say well you, you took another pothole of a few meters down the road The what i reported is still there <laughs> <laughs> yeah excellent so, so amsterdam started it wanting to make it open source and, and and now so it's starting spreading across the netherlands cool but of course this is a code base that could be used anywhere yeah uh, and so we're hopefully want to see this spread along. And it's called Signalen, So if you know anyone w- wants to check it out, it's on signalen.org.
0: Well, I'm really interested, actually. So I, in New Zealand in December, I saw road signs saying, please report all Wallaby sightings.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Last month, I read in my local newspaper in Vermont, US, please report all roadkill sightings. Mm-hmm. And last year, I worked facilitating a conversation at the city of Paris, mm-hmm. where they also have an open source app for talking about potholes and yes. the like. And so it seems to be a consistent thing Yes, to basically enable citizens to, if they see something, say something. Not to say that in particular, but in general. Yes. How is there not an organization that deals with just telling everyone just use this code base for your constituents?
2: Well, that's sort of a little bit what we want to do. Good. Uh, okay. just <laughs> sort of a, because we see this over and over again. Everywhere. Like a, a, a municipality who wants an application for the residents to file building permits or yeah. uh, apply for. And, and in general, we heard talks already here, like Munich, they wanted to have, oh, we need a form builder. Yeah. Where the, because they realized, oh, we have lots of different cases and we need a case management system. And you see them pop up over and over again as well. Even if many of them are open source, they're, they're, they're not invented here or, no, we are a little bit special, so we need something bespoke for us. Exactly, uh, yeah. Which seems like, well, if if, all, only, if only all of those who are already working open source on these things were working together, it would be so much better for everyone.
0: So tell me about your sneaky, perfidious strategies for convincing managers to like buy this stuff that we would take it on because it is hard. There's a lot of like, I don't want to no, know we need this and oh, well, it would have worked, but now I have to make our own thing. And also I want to look good. I want to write my own app, even though it costs millions of dollars. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you convince people not to go down that route, but instead just adopt something that already exists?
2: It's it's really hard to convince the people who have not already, I don't have a better word for it because my English is poor, but they don't have it. Yeah. They haven't got it. Yes. If they haven't got the, like the core idea of open source, it's really hard to convince someone to, to really understand that you're building upon each other step by step, incrementally. Yeah. Sometimes we say building on the shoulders of giants, but I think that's a little bit like too big because what <laughs> we're really just doing is we're, we're building small increments. Over building large, on the
0: shoulders of humans.
2: Yes, <laughs> of humans and like everyday people. But if everyone is chipping in, it's actually going to be so much better over time. Yeah. And if you have something that is consistent, like a public organization where you have a long-term strategy that they're going to be around for a long time, those small things add up really quickly and scale really well with several municipalities. So tell me about your funding mechanisms at the moment. At the moment, we're solely funded by uh, private donation philanthropists. Uh, We're trying to look into how we can see... Not solely. We do have one public member, but we we don't think the pu- membership model for public organizations work really well because it takes so much buy-in from an organization to become a member. Usually it has to go up in the council, so we need both the grassroots to understand it and the poli- politics. Yeah. So we're, what we're trying to think now is can we get the OSPOs at a federal, the national level yeah. to understand it? And oh, all our municipalities need help with that. Yeah. And there are things that they cannot do right now because usually you have some sort of like municipal laws uh, stating that what mandate it had, that they only can serve their own constituency. Yep. So things are going to fall in between the cracks. And that's where we think that like we can take care of the, all the things that are in bet- between the cracks, That which is usually the, the collaboration things, like yeah. who is going to host the mailing server? Can we host a mailing server for another municipality where we're talking about and announcing new releases and stuff like that? Yeah. So we could be a neutral party in that and perhaps then an a federal law can see, all right, that's what you're going to do and can uh, give us some subsidies for that.
0: So when we talk about code bases, it's easy to see that, you know, just replicate the code base here, it doesn't get up. But what you're talking about is policy influencing and policy changes and trying to convince ministers and funders, hey no, this is a good idea. let's do this are those resources open sourced the stuff that you use to
2: convince people Yes well, everything we do is, is open sourced so cool. we release everything C- C- c0 the game here is CC0 actually uh, uh, <laughs> cool. we, we, we recently we sort of like said, well now it's version 1.0 because now any anyone could actually go to a printer we have printing documents so you can just order your own decks excellent and we actually we were so happy the beak center in the u.s were trying that out and did their own prints and it actually worked quite fine so we're, we're happy to <laughs> say le- and they didn't even tell us until after so that was they didn't even need to ask us so apparently the documentation is good enough for someone to to just go print your own game where can people find that documentation governance cool
0: So there's a big uh, OFE study about the power of open source that came out last year, or maybe the year before. Time flies. Millions of dollars. Yeah. it's, It's been like, what, 10 years since COVID started? Tell me about whether or not you've had any inroads outside the Netherlands yet, because I know that the EU tends to be very internally looking, but also kind of building walls, kind of digital sovereignty, kind of let's figure out how do we make this happen for ourselves. But surely it must be easy to, to work in, in the EU, outside the Netherlands. How's that going?
2: Yes. So, so we do have a lot of conversations, both in France, Italy, Sweden, but how our process is formed about stewardship and our standard for public code that we talked in our last talk, Yeah, we haven't seen the, the buy-in that we want to see to really say, oh, now you're in incubation with us and yeah. we're serving you. But there certainly is interest, and uh, I've been carrying around a bunch of standard for public codes here at the conference, and people are almost grabbing them out of my arms. <laughs> <laughs> good. So that's really, really good.
0: Yeah. Have you noticed any massive cultural differences? Like, is it harder to work with FINS or
2: something? Like, what, I've, what we have noticed... Not is... to
0: stereotype and not to, you no, know, but, but what we have noticed
2: yeah. is that the reasons for open source, even within the, like, the the, the champions and the, the people who are passionate, it's very different yeah. uh, even across Europe. Hmm. So when we're talking about perhaps Sweden, people are thinking about it's going to be a cost-saving. Yeah. When we're talking about Italy, it's more about uh, like transparency. Hmm. So people want to have access to the code that the, the public organizations are building. Hmm. So it's, it's a little bit of like... For, Always like coming back to sort of like the four freedoms, but different aspects are more important depending on where you come from. Hmm.
0: Okay. So we have a reporting app. That's some civic stuff. What's next? What's the next thing you're working on?
2: Yes, that's a little bit hard to say. We hope that we will be working with the OpenFisca, which is a French code base try to use rules as code and and simulate Hmm. changes. So I've been talking with them for a long time. It's a community who is already diverse, but also a little bit struggling since their funding is not always consistent even across governments. Yeah. So, so, but that's where we have had the most uh, interesting talks and it's a very fascinating code base.
0: Interesting, cool. F-I-C, F-I-S-C-A? Yeah. Cool. You bring up a good point. Funding is really important to be consistent. When you work in the political sphere, there's always a possibility of backlash. Mm -hmm. Uh, We, again, heard that at the keynote yesterday about Munich. And we all know, like, Munich tried to do stuff, then just things didn't work. And we also saw that in Brazil. We've seen that in South Africa. What are you doing to prepare against political changes? to make it easier for you to do your work? How are you ensuring sustainability by bulwarking some of your policy decisions?
2: Mm -hmm. So so that's actually a very good reason for the collaboration across borders Mm. because it's unlikely that everyone would change at the same time. So if if a code base like a reporting app from Amsterdam would also be used in in Germany, then if Amsterdam suddenly pulls back, well, it's still maintained by someone, of course, if it's open source, it's also, also available for someone. I think Lauren yesterday excused herself for using the word digital sovereignty, yeah. but there's something being said like, well, if the code is open sourced, you have it. Yeah. So in that sense, you're, 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 you're managed, you're able to manage yourself. Yeah. So it's a different kind of sovereignty that I think the, the European politicians, they want to be. Not dependent on the US and China, yeah. mostly. But what it really enables is that you're able, you're enabled yourself to do whatever you want to with it.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's cool. Jan, I really wish you the best. Good luck. Where can people find out more again? I know you mentioned it earlier, but
2: just at the end, to wrap up. You can find us at publicco.net and of course the game at governancegame.publiccode.net.
0: Excellent. And where can people find you online? I'm on Mastodon
2: at aynaly at social.coop.
0: Excellent. You know what we should do? We should set up a, like an online workshop where we could try to play this game and maybe we could have people print it out at
2: home and see if we could play remotely. Have, have you tried that? We have tried that and we also do have a version for Excalibur where okay, cool. everything is yeah. digitalized. However, standing around a small table for people <laughs> where everyone can pull the cards, it's much more quicker and interactive and people are Especially if you're not talking to digital natives. Yeah. They love the cards so much more. It's, it's a, <laughs> uh, I,
0: I'm a big engaged. card player, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it need to be a digital native <laughs> to enjoy cards. There you have it, folks. Jan, Annelie, thank you so much for coming on. Kitos, that was excellent. Thank you, Rich. And um, have fun here at the conference. Thanks.